Hello, welcome to episode 26 of We Don't Talk About the Weather, a um, political discussion that Tinian initiated may just sound like screaming and crying. We're coming to you live from Wolfenstow. Well, it's not live, it's a podcast, but you know, we're recording live, although yes, everything's right. recorded like fuck. You're um, terrible, you're terrible. <laughs> it's great. I'm going to replace you with someone else. <laughs> See if anyone will stand you. There's plenty. <laughs> Married one. Sure. <laughs> Um, yeah, we're both coming to you from Walthamstow today. Okay. Yeah, where you live um, now. I live now. Yeah, close Happy enough to you? close enough to North London to not have any like for our cultural opinions to not matter, <laughs> but far enough away from real Britain for our political opinions not to matter. So it's you know it's a nice thing. I'm Adam, and this is Hugh, Ooh. and we're here to talk about this week's news. Yep. Right. Um, and the first thing I'd go to go into is we just had the bank holiday. Yeah. Our favourite bank holiday because it's oh, our yeah. birthday. Yeah, that's true. Um, we have our birthday on the same day, although you're born after me, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Like Carvels. You can tell by your youthful looks. Yeah, I've I've kept my innocence. You very much like Robert Webb after him. <laughs> a bad couple of weeks on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and my, you know, my skin is the consistency of milk and it's constantly <laughs> running down my face. <laughs> but I saw, again, another Tory journalist did a Tory paper. Not even I didn't even bother reading the article, because why would I need to? The, do you have a do you have a normal thing that you like to do that but that is ultimately inoffensive? Well, this Tory journalist has some news for you. Yep. Let the battle to enjoy the most boring bank holiday of them all begin. Because <laughs> everyone hates a day off work. Yeah. I know um, I do. Yeah. It's oh, it drives me around the bend. Because it's a it's always the same kind of journalist that, you know, don't work all the time. <laughs> they have all these days off and then it's like, oh my god, the shop in my sleepy town is shut. Oh, what am I going to do? My nanny wants the day off. Oh, what am I going to do with that? But Which I don't have to give it to her anymore because apparently that's not a thing. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing as well. I don't even know what they hate. It's just part of the larger thing. It's like the uh, the um, James climate change denier, Daly Paul. James. Second time in two weeks I've forgotten his name. Well, there's some um, lot of annoying Jameses on. It's the it's the James Dellingpole effect of like here's this thing that's completely and utterly inoffensive and yet is a complete symbol of how society is breaking down. Hey everybody, you like custard? Well, custard with actual real well, vanilla ah, in ah, is bad. Ah, no, because they've got the flip side of it. They've got the dragon fruit. Ah, why Why is there dragon fruit on sale? But then they've got the, hmm, can't get spam anymore. You can, yeah, but you know, it's the, it's the thing of like, yeah, you can't get, what happened to corned beef in those tins? And then it's the obvious there. answer is it's, it's still there. Like it's always been there. Yeah. You've always been able to buy it. It's just not got a shelf dedicated to it anymore Yeah, because it's not 1957. No. And we could have, well, people could afford back beef. Yeah. Well, actually they can't afford corned beef because corned beef is so expensive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, bank holidays. Shit. Yeah. Did you have a shit bank holiday? An alright bank holiday actually. Yeah. Went to the zoo. Went to the zoo. Yeah, it was oh, so re- hot. Uh, London Zoo. So hot. Yeah. So hot. But I didn't burn. Like, which is amazing. Like, I have the complexion that you would imagine of a Welshman, <laughs> in that the sun hits me and I start to crackle. I have an aversion to to um, sun cream because I'm a metaler. So it's like, uh no, creamy. <laughs> I only like the darkness. So normally I burn, but I didn't burn this time. If you could cover yourself in black paint. Yeah. I should start doing No, no. No, just like the really thick white, like lead-based white paint like Varg used to wear. But yeah, so what did you do? Mm. Um, I went to... I went to see um, Fire Walk With Me because I'm in a Twin Peaks kind of kind of mood. It's pretty much the only thing I like retweet on Twitter at the moment is, you know, hey, political <laughs> political jokes that I agree with and opinions about Twin Peaks. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that film does not hold up. Does it not? No. Well, I didn't like. It it's really, it's it. really it good. It, it, it's it. like the second half is really good. Um, just the story of Laura, Laura Palmer. Little divergent here. Uh, the story of Laura, Laura Palmer is it's really well told and really well acted, but it's amongst a lot of insane stuff that just feels like it feels like the ends that they threw out of the series. Mm. But the new series is making up for it. I don't want to talk about Twin Peaks. Talk about no. I have all my friends telling me to watch Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to watch it yet. I've got more important things to do. We've got more important things to discuss. Yeah. Like, this week's news. Yeah. So, we've got a list of topics <clears throat> here okay, that we're going to take down. Number one. Number one. Um, Laura Pidcock. The uh, new Northern Maybe MP? Yes. Um, young Yeah, girl. quite young. Made quite what, a barnstorming what? speech about um, class, the class and privilege she felt seeping out of Westminster. I Basically, like, one of the better... 
new crop. Definitely one of the better new new crops. We'll see how long she lasts. I mean, she's only been in there a few months, but... Wasn't she one of the ones that looked genuinely surprised that she won her seat? Uh, yeah, she really, really did. Yeah. Like, they did a good job. Hey. Yeah. Um, but she, um, she gave an interview to Squawk Box, mm. which is... So kind of along with it's well along with evolved politics and the canary mm. is kind of part of a new bit of left wing media that's kind of come up on the internet. Some all right, some fairly reliable, some not so reliable. Um, I don't know. Canary doesn't seem like it's it's okay in that it's yeah. more of an energising process rather than it is an actual <laughs> news yeah, reporting nice thing. Having... It is nice to see them spot, like, spotting up. But Squawk Box, you know, it can get yeah. a bit conspiracy theorist. But anyway, it was an interview. Yeah. In which she said, um, she said, uh, my very, very initial reactions are that there are two basic types of Tory. You've got the ones like Boris Johnson who are so blinded by their own privilege that they've and have never experienced hardship that they genuinely seem unable to see what it's like in our communities. If they see someone in tears from the sheer weight of everything that's being piled on top of them, their reaction is, oh, you're being very dramatic. The other type is completely ideologically driven. They seem genuinely to believe that capitalism is the best way to improve society and it blinds them to the evidence under their nose. I've met a couple of Tories who were genuinely really anxious for me to see that they weren't horrible people and really believed in putting everything into private enterprise will achieve better results. Whatever type they are, I have absolutely no intention of being friends with any of them. I have friends I choose to spend time with. I go to Parliament to be a mouthpiece for my constituents and class. I'm not interested in chatting on. Which, yeah, that's a really good thing to say. Now, out of all of that, all of the kind of denunciations of actual policy and actual politics Mm. as it is practiced everyone chose to focus on the idea that she would refuse to be friends with a tory Mm. right um kind of there's a kind of misogynist undertone to it in that you know men can have kind of solid solid opinions and they are to be respected for it but women women have to make friends yeah she was denounced by people like nadine tories uh, nadine nadine tories (laughs) nadine dories um and yeah, but is Nadine Dorries friends of any pro-choice people? I very much well, doubt it. She said she was um, immature and hands-over-the-ears hands politics. Hashtag socialism doesn't work. <laughs> Says someone with an imaginary friend that makes her kill people. I find that, that it's just kind of incredible that, uh, like... Um, oh, so much for the kinder, gentler politics. Oh, Hashtag that. Jeremy Corbyn, socialism will kill millions. <laughs> I saw the um, people saying, like... This is Joe Cox. This is what Joe Cox died mm-hmm. for. And it's like, you know, she was speaking about being nice to like different communities in your constituency, like that different ethnic groups can talk to each other and be friends. Yeah, but you don't. Not, let's be friends with Nazis. You don't understand. It's not what they wanted her to say. It's yeah. not how they wanted her to say it. So mm. context doesn't matter. Mm. And naturally, you had the Labour right kind of coming out and calling her immature and everything. And there's definitely that kind of desperation to clamp down on on those kind of ideas you know the ideas that are the only thing that keep kind of jeremy corbyn in in such a high level of popularity and keep people energized to actually think of a way out of our current morass Hmm. our current swamp Hmm. um so i mean i i don't know that i've ever been i don't know that i've ever been actual friends with a tory you've been acquaintances with a bunch of people on the far right because you worked you worked at Rock City and had a bunch of bouncers who I can guarantee were a bunch uh, well of... I mean no, yeah I wasn't no 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 you said hi huh? you said hi to them I said hello yes. <laughs> um, but no I don't I... yeah and be like that's a difference between choosing to spend yeah, time I never I spent know. time yeah. with anybody yeah, the idea I mean I grew up like, I grew up with a load of kids who I hang around with who I um, hung around with at like primary school whose dads were in co- who used had <clears throat> had moved down from like Chelsea and Fulham and were in combat 18 mm. but I mean, you know choosing to hang out with someone who's a Tory I don't, I don't think I'm... when you're an adult yeah well the thing is you, the people that you talk that you hang out with for fun hmm. aren't people who you know say things like oh god I went to the GP and it took me ages to get an appointment you know what we should do privatise it yeah that's not a fun evening for me well also there's like this element of like pretending that you have to be 
Yeah, I don't have to be friends with anyone. I don't. It's a very kind of centrist talking point, isn't Mm. it? No, no, you have to take opinions. Mm. Because when you're politically engaged, you have to take all of it. You can't have any ideas of your own. You have to take all of these ideas and find some middle way. Mm. But you mustn't ever stand out. It's the kind of bullshit that leads to that kind of those 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 people on Twitter who are talking about unity government bullshit. Mm. And it's like, no, there there are significant there's significant ideological differences. Yeah. Between someone who is yeah, and we are admittedly on the far left, and Tories. Like, okay, the closest I've been friends with Lib Dems. Yeah. I've been um and I found that trying. Friends with liberals <laughs> is slightly different because uh, certainly well, not in... liberals, no, like certified Lib Dem voters. Yeah, yeah, I know, but um, like that, yeah, but like there's there's only so far you can go as a Lib Dem, and like you know, people who say like they're really into politics. Like, yeah. I mean, you've probably been friends, I'm sure, with like Lib Dem canvassers or something who will go that far, but that's like. No, no, not that not, far. Not with anyone who'd knock on a door for them. No, because Lib Dem, Lib, it's very rare to find a Lib Dem that energized. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. There's yeah. a there's 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 two things going on there. One that because the people who are criticizing her are in a political bubble where it's not just that they're into politics. It like we're into politics. They get paid. Yeah, it is literally their job. Yeah. So the idea of not hanging around with your workmates, it's almost a bit corporate. It's almost a bit like bad attitude Yeah. And secondly, what they're describing in their criticisms of um, Laura Pidcock is not just a friend relationship. They're describing a class relationship, mm. which is you're in the political class now because yeah. you got elected and you're paid as an yeah. MP. No, you have to play by these rules. Yeah. You have to be in here. You have to try and drink with Tories. Mm. And she's saying, no, no, good honour. She's doing the thing, um, the Eddie Wells in Our Friends of the North, mm. just sitting in the strangers' bar muttering about them. <laughs> I love them so much. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just a, a kind of how, I mean, how Tory, like how Tory, I suppose it's a question of like how Tory would somebody have to be or how un-Tory would they have to be while still being a Tory for you to be friends with them? And choose to go to the pub. Like, you would go to the pub and choose to hang out and meet someone for any kind of event if they voted Tory. Um, You would. I probably would. If they were fun. If they were interesting enough. Yeah, but they never are. Well, I mean, that's the other thing. Also, there's the the circles that, like, the pair of us moving. Mm. Like, okay, when when we were younger and hung around people based entirely on music taste, the people that were kind of on the right in like the metal hardcore scene, mm. weren't conservative voters. Mm. <laughs> no, they were not. No. No, they were slightly further. They were like full-blown crazies. So I didn't want to hang out with them. You didn't meet anyone who would like say, oh, Thatcher was really sensible. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then again, that they were the kind of people who didn't like, didn't look that far into it mm. in that they weren't looking at kind of the in-depth, either kind of the... the um, like parliamentary politics or the actual ideologies behind it, like most of them were just angry. If they yeah. were angry at something, they would be like, "Yeah, I'm fucking voting Tory." Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had a friend who, um, like, he said, "How are you going to vote?" And he said, "BMP." Mm. And it's like, what are you, what are you talking about? You're literally dating an African girl. Mm. Like, what? What was that? Yeah. He was just doing it to shock because, in any case, he was angry at certain things, yeah. and then said, "Oh, I'm just going to vote BMP." He didn't vote. No, because <laughs> of course he didn't. <laughs> but no, I've, I've, there's friends that I've got that probably have voted Tory. Oh yeah, um, but the thing is, she wasn't even saying like not being friends with someone who's voted Tory. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, there's a significant difference between someone who's voted Tory and someone who either canvasses for them. Mm. That's a bad person. Yeah, someone who does the phone calls, like the illegal ones in some else. And there's a big difference then with someone who's a member of parliament, the mm. fucking Conservative Party, who've gone so far down that path, they've gone too far down the road. Yeah. Um, it's not to say that they couldn't come back and become human. Yeah. It's not even like we have... I mean, we've got um, select committees and things like that that MPs go on to where mm. they are kind of expected to toe a specific set of rules around a cross-party basis. Yeah. But she's... Not on those, any of those, as far as I can tell. No. And they're not really cooperative as much as they are administrative. Yeah, those kind of cross-party select committees, they're not supposed to be all buddy-buddy. Mm. It's supposed to be kind of like a jury. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, no, I've, I've, no, I don't feel I, I wouldn't choose to be friend with an outspoken Tory. I find it hard to be around people who have got real, real massive issues with Corbyn that aren't the same issues I have with him. Yeah, like the people who say like, oh, he's he's anti-Semitic, oh, he hates Britain. Yeah, like actually, I, there's no way I could be friends with anyone who said that, you know, that they've got a real problem with people who hate Britain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because that's. I think that's probably my first political stance. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm not happy with this country. It's shit. <laughs> there was somebody on Twitter who um, tried to put up some kind of... I don't know whether they thought it was a honey trap or not. Mm. They tried to put up a poll saying, um, why did you vote Labour? Oh, I saw that. Is it because you... Um, uneducated. You, you're you uneducated, understand. you don't understand economics, you um, something else, and you hate Britain. And it's like, you hate Britain. Yeah. I saw Hammer the, it. Hammer I saw it. that was the one that was the most voted. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't... I don't. No, I don't think I'd choose to be friends with Twitter. I don't think I'd, I'd choose to be friends with a Lib Dem. Mm. To be honest, I wouldn't choose to be friends with a fucking Labour Labour supporter. Yeah, most of most of the time. Yeah, like I I, I don't know that many. I've got friends of... now who've joined or rejoined. Yeah, um, but that's different. Like, mm. uh, uh, like, yeah, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd be friends with an, a really big supportive uh, member of the Labour Party from the time of Ed Miliband and Blair and all that shit. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Anyway, um, so one of the uh, people who actually criticised Laura Pidcock from the from the Labour Party, hmm. Jess Phillips. Oh, of course. We she talked did. a bit about Jess Phillips before. I don't want to talk about her every week, but this has been a hell of a week hmm. for her. Like she must you, have made a lot of money this week. You, she wrote a lot of articles. You mentioned it to me earlier on, and I went. Um, I went looking. She's had, so last Friday, I think, she had a, an, a big interview in the Times. And then looking for her articles on The Guardian today, she, has, she had three articles published on Sunday, including an article as well that summed up the other three articles, that, the other bits of media that she'd done over the week. And, like, they're not great. Well, no, they wouldn't be. They're not great. Um, so the big, the big Times article... Um, she uh the big the big headline coming out of it was that um sorry uh she was about the misogyny she received from uh, left wing men all I've, of the misogyny i've never criticized her for being a woman no i've criticized her for being a piece of shit yeah but um so uh she said that the misogyny she received from left wing men was the absolute worst and they quickly proved her point last week the labor mp's twitter feed flowed with Men telling me I didn't understand sexism, that I deserved it, that I was fat, ugly, that I was probably on my period. Yeah, sounds like left-wingers to me, doesn't well, it? The thing is, I've seen when she's said a thing and then she's got a load of abuse. What will happen is she'll look at all of the abuse that she's got. And a lot of it is just saying things like, you're an idiot. Mm. And then she, there'll be someone who says, you're a fat idiot. And then she'll mm. cloak on, she'll like circle that one. Mm. And that'll be the one that she'll focus on. And she'll use that as a way of ignoring the hundred other people who've just criticised her for being stupid. Or telling, you know, an actual lie. Yeah. Yeah, because she gets caught out lying a lot. She was one yeah. of the big the big proponents of um, the Jeremy Corbyn lied about being on the train thing. Yeah. Which, you know, that came out this week. That, that was, it was completely true. That yeah. that train was completely rammed and a load of people believe, well, did... Unpaid... Believed the company's own CCTV, which was fake. Yeah. Which was did, not accurate. And did unpaid PR work yeah. for a billionaire who doesn't want to pay taxes. Well, yet. because it's their natural mode to go yeah. into. They're immediately like, oh, CCTV, well, that's that proves it. The people who are going on about Russia and, you know, fake news and all that yeah. kind of stuff are surprisingly gullible when it turns out to be a British, not even a British billionaire, like a British billionaire exile. Yeah. Tax exile. I've seen pictures of him in suits made of Union Jacks. He's very British. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's one other bit in that Times interview... Um, it's easy to counter right-wingers who believe that women ask for domestic violence or do not deserve equal pay. Ms Phillips told Jacob Rees-Mogg that she would divorce him for never changing a nappy. But it's much harder when people think they are the goodies, she says. She means the brochalists. Oh. Now, that does tell you more about how she views the world and how a lot of people view the world. Mm. Because that's an old attitude from um, almost from like a, like internet atheism. Yeah. Where... Oh, well, you don't need to tell the right-wingers. The right-wingers are easy to convince because you can just tell them they're wrong and then they change their ways. Oh, no, wait, no, they don't. Hmm. You can tell Jacob Rees-Mogg that he should be changing his children's nappies rather than his wife a thousand times. And he's still in power and he'll still vote against equal pay amendments. Yep. And he'll still vote against abortion. Hmm. Like, that attitude, 
she doesn't think that she's cooper does she think she's cooperating with these people no like i don't think she's the kind of person who after the charlottesville stuff mm. were constantly criticized she would, you know like the ones who are constantly coming out and criticizing the anti-fascists and talking about how you need to just talk to the right wingers and convince <sighs> yeah. them but like a lot of them not a single one of them has said anything about maybe they the right wingers shouldn't she ride, was, drive cars into crowds of people she was the, she was the one who said um oh i haven't heard uh, anti-far until this weekend yeah she like, she'd never she literally did um politics and public policy at university and she didn't know she's what an mp she's is. an mp in birmingham the um aston villa yeah. anti-far is a thing i lived in birmingham for three years and every time the edl came up black block was there well the, the football matches yeah and like maybe she hasn't gone to football matches but um you know any kind of i'm not telling i'm not telling her what i lived experience is but a couple of minutes research could tell you that there's a fucking active anti-far organisation in a lot of big towns, including Birmingham. Yeah. It's a, it's this weird kind of like... But you could but you can tell what the, the impetus is behind saying something like that. Like a lot of her stuff, um, mm. the impetus behind it is, oh, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm just so normal. Yeah. I'm just, it's the Owen Smith trick again. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just so normal. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know about any of that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm normal. Yeah. And it's like this constant signalling that you're not a member of a privileged political class. Mm. Again, like not to like pick apart her her background or anything. It doesn't mean that she couldn't be good, but she puts on this kind of like brummy working class um, thing. She calls a lot of people um, uh, babs oh, on uh, on Twitter. And she talks about, like, she tweets at, like, celebrities going to see cricket at Edgebaston and say, oh, I would have made you some, some, a flask of tea and some sandwiches. And it's like, who the fuck takes flasks of tea to cricket anymore? They don't do it. But in her imaginary Britain of the 1970s, yeah. which is, allows her to get some cachet from the social, the social welfare state, yeah. and also harken back to a time that probably Brexit has felt was a better time, yeah. um, she gets a load of, kind of, good feelings from that. She's setting up, like, it's a thing that Raymond Williams um, talked about, a structure of feeling. Mm. She's building this cocoon of authenticity around her. That means that she's a real person. And naturally, she would never know anything about highfalutin things like Antifa <laughs> or Cuba or anything like that. She wouldn't know anything about highfalutin things like... And, and Antifa, like... They're traditionally working class groups. Yeah. Like... Yeah. They the are ones... formed as literal self-defence committees yeah. from the people who are most likely to get... Battered by fascists organising in a particular area. Oh, she makes my skin crawl. And, yeah, um, she, I saw that she did an article talking about how her grandmother was a reactionary racist. Yeah, that, that was that was that was her that was her separate. So she's been really busy, as yeah. we've mentioned. Yeah, she had a busy bank holiday weekend. She had the Times article and then spun a load of things out. Yeah. So um, she had the article about Laura Pidcock and saying that um, oh, I just surround myself with all kinds of uh, different views. My nan was a racist. <laughs> <laughs> this is genetically transmitted but again it's signalling virtue signalling it is literally virtue signalling yeah. except it's vice signalling yeah it's like, it's like no, no shit your grandmother yeah. was a racist so was mine so were both of mine there were a lot of racists but among you know, people born in the 30s but you know what I didn't have in-depth conversations about politics when mm. I was like 10 mm. and I didn't take them I didn't go down the pub with them I wasn't friends with them they weren't my nan yes um Oh god. Um and the other I mean the other thing that's slightly more concerning is the uh the, the other thing she mentioned in the interview which was the um Pakistani this is on the Sarah Champion thing Pakistani um people with disabled sons are importing brides to Britain to get around the immigration loophole where you don't have to pay the 18,000 pounds you don't have to earn 18,000 pounds in order to Move to marry, to, to marry a spouse in Britain, um, and she said, so, "I'm just not having it." It's so it's disgusting like, on a number of levels because she said yeah. she came at it from a feminist angle, saying like essentially these women are being brought over yeah. to be slaves, yeah. and this country does have a problem, like I think probably most countries yeah. do, in especially in the West, of unpaid carers, yeah. and most of them are women. Yeah. Um, but she could do something about that rather she, than say that it's all Pakistani. Well, she conflated Pakistanis and Bangladeshis. And she conflated Asian all and of Indian. it, and it's. I don't think she believes that. Oh. I don't. Th- I don't think that that particular thing that feels like a kind of testing of the water to see how yeah. whether she can go for champion. Yeah. 
whether she can be a full <laughs> champion. It's it's that thing of she does like a thing like this weekend with all these articles. Yeah. And she kind of gets away because what she's trying to do is she's trying to make she's trying to attack Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah. And attack the current Labour. Or party. at the very least try and triangulate him into a position where he either has to get rid of another MP and they can accuse him of being dictatorial, mm. or he has to let it go on and slowly deflate his base of their enthusiasm because yeah. they look at what a shit show the rest of the Labour Party is. Well that's the thing, it's like I there's, I saw people on Twitter saying, um, well, this, this Pakistani man was um, campaigning for you on Ramadan. Yeah. Um, and how disgusted he was that he did that. Yeah. Because of what she's like. And it's like, I... It makes me think less of Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah. But I always thought that Jeremy Corbyn was a bit shit about... What it, <laughs> a bit shit and a bit wet. And wouldn't sack someone like her. Well, he should have. He should sack this woman. Yeah. She. He should have got rid of her ages ago when she was boasting about racially abu- about abusing a black woman. Yeah. And like, oh, I called. I called Diana. Yeah. Abbott. I told Diana Abbott to fuck Here's off. Here's the other thing, right? A lot of the Labour right wing will go on and on whenever they get any criticism. It's like, why are you criticising the Labour Party? We should all be together fighting the Tories. What do you do at the to- when the Tories are at their weakest? Jeremy Corbyn has, while not winning the election, has had a massive increase in yeah. votes. Bigger than anything we've ever seen in, like, 20th oh, yeah, century. In the 20th and the 21st century. It's a yeah. huge, massive swing, right? Mm. And now is the time. Now is the time if you were going to attack the Tories, you put them in the grave. Yeah. Right? And what does she do? She talks about how um, she made really good friends with Tory MPs and they were really comforting to her. And how she told off her husband on her first day in Parliament. She told off her husband for snorting when a Daily Mail journalist came up to interview them. Mm. Her husband, like, snorted and I'm not talking to you. Yeah, but why and, would you? <laughs> uh, no, because she wants she yeah. wants them because she wants to go back to the sun backing well, Blair. She's, she's because she thinks it's a a permanent state of affairs. She thinks, oh, the mail's not going anywhere, the sun's not going anywhere, and mm. we might as well get them on side. It's like they're not going on your side. She's literally the kind of person that say say Britain was like Venezuela. Mm. She'd be one of those capitalists trying to burn down her own country because she's not in charge. Yeah, and that's it's. Yeah, she's oh, she's just probably run a bend, and like, and this, none of that's because she's a woman. This this kind of spate of MPs attacking the Pakistani community. Yeah, I think it's very important for for Jeremy Corbyn to uh, bring bring everybody together. There should be some frank talks about the Pakistani problem, anti-Pakistani problem within the Labour Party. Um, you know. We all know where that leads. You know, the, the support for Pakistan kind of levels off. If you don't support Pakistan, <laughs> um, th- these old tropes about um, Pakistani men being like sexually virulent monsters <laughs> um, and, you know, they just want to take white women and, you know, do things to them all for the sake of Pakistan. They're t- t- sending all their money back to Pakistan. <laughs> these really have to stop. And I think Jeremy Corbyn has to address the anti-Pakistani <laughs> problem. What? In his, it's just the fucking comparison with the anti-Semitism thing. Yeah, which it's such fucking hypocrisy. Like, what yeah. if any of these articles that yeah. they've written that they they frankly are testing the waters against a community that already gets a load of shit yeah. because it's an easy fucking target. They haven't even got the balls to come after Jewish people. Well, yeah, that's it was and, like that. What if any of those had been about Jewish people, about the predatory Jewish community and the problems within the Jewish community with their yes. attitude towards women? You would be probably rightly accused of anti-Semitism. That article, the, oh, I can't remember which paper it was in, the kid in foster care mm. who's in a Muslim household. Oh, this happened today, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this the article kid, came the, out today. It's like, there's, there's, there's... The bit that really got me was... Mm. The kid wanted a bacon sandwich and wasn't allowed a bacon sandwich. First off, I couldn't give less of a fuck about, about children's access to bacon sandwiches. <laughs> but if that was a Jew, if there was a Christian kid in a Jewish household, yeah. and was being told, "No, we don't have bacon in this yeah. household," and someone did a whole article about that in a paper, it would rightly be called out as resurrecting blood libel. Yeah, like it would be Jewish parent. Like it, the the story was, um, if if you didn't see, it was. Um, a, uh, a, a, a social services had some complaints about a Muslim foster family fostering uh, 
a Christian child. I don't know how you call someone a Christian child as well. well like, she had a crucifix that apparently they tore off her or wouldn't let her wear. It's it's it was hard I'm, because I was listening to it while I was half asleep. I'm was, willing um, to I'm willing to go with my gut here and mm. say that's probably not true. Mm. That at most they asked her to remove it. They didn't literally strip her, strip it, and then pour a burqa over her. <laughs> strip her of her Christian and, <laughs> symbols, and like they wouldn't let her have bait. It's it's all the old tro- all the old like tired like stereotypes about um, Muslim like strict Muslim couples. Part of it's like I'm pretty certain part of the outright Islamophobia mm. is because that a lot of these kind of journalists are. Incredibly bereft of imagination, yeah, and, and just, actual knowledge, yeah, as well. So a lot of the stuff is stuff that you could have, they could have been written about the Jews a hundred years ago, and and great, and their great grandfathers probably wrote them. There's that famous um, uh, Daily, uh, I want to say Daily Mail article about mm. the um, Jewish refugees coming from uh, the Pale, from yeah. Russia, and about them all um, storming off the boat. Um, hiding their jewels yeah. and then storming to the like the charities giving out like tea, coffee, and sandwiches and stuff, and then being like ravenous dogs devouring the food while a poor English homeless man sits in the corner, not able to get any of the food. And it's like this sounds exactly you're recycling yeah. exactly the same things. And for nobody other than Twitter people to call it out, it shouldn't be up to fucking Twitter people. No, really, it should actually be up to proper media. Should, if you had a proper media. Yeah, it should be coming from the likes of Nick Cohen. Mm. But no, he's too busy criticising Jeremy yeah. Corbyn. Um, and yeah, so the article, the interview with um, uh, Jess Phillips hmm. um, was titled, uh, I feel like Jeremy Corbyn has stolen the Labour Party from me. Bear in mind, Jeremy Corbyn has been a Labour MP for 30 years. Yeah, She has been a Labour MP for two yeah. So I mean that makes doesn't really make any sense anyway. Feels very entitled very quickly. Yeah, but she's in a kind of larger political sense. Yeah, she's kind of right because yeah. the Labour Party is being stolen from people like her. Yeah. Because she for all of her like good stuff on feminist issues, the way that those feminist issues are targeted mm. and the way that they are being used mm. in a racist or a a, a uh, a kind of a, a capitalist manner. Let's face it. Yeah. Like uh, well, she could have the written, way that she's weaponizing those things against Corbyn. Yeah, she could have written an amazing like that time's she, over. She could have written a really great article mm. about how um, unpaid care work unfairly falls on women, yes. be it the yeah. mothers of disabled ki- people or the wives or siblings or kids. Yeah, and that is disgusting and unfair and should be dealt with. It is not the fault of Pakistani immigration. Yeah. And I knew I had a bad feeling about her when she started talking about how mouthy she was. Because people who people who are actually mouthy don't tend to talk about how mouthy they are all no, the they're time. Just, they're too busy being mouthy. It's the it's the Yorkshire like it's a Yorkshireman mm. playing up to stereotypes, mm. calling a spade a spade bullshit. When it's yeah. like, no, you don't. You censor yourself literally all the time. When you like somebody, when you think they're on your side, yeah, you're very nice and you're very polite to them. Like for instance, when she's talking about um there was the the final article in the ones that I read of hers that were released just on Sunday. Um, she was talking about how um, Theresa May's migration kind of uh, policies had made it easier for her brother to marry his French wife, um, and she did a like a slightly so- a very very soft sarcastic thing at the end about thank you Mrs May for allowing my brother to emigrate well, I don't and become a French citizen. Well, the thing is, actually, I don't fucking doubt. Because she's one of those kind of... I, I don't know what her, what her stance on Brexit is. I imagine she's one of those crazy militant Remainers. I, I think she's definitely one of the Keir Starmer, like, we should get a soft Brexit. The one who's really... Obs- the, kind, the kind of Remainer who's really obsessed about the rights of white Europeans the to foreign, travel all around yes, Europe. Yeah, but, that was the thing I got from it. But when it comes yeah. to Asians coming here or Africans coming here or refugees from countries that we've just set on fire coming yeah. here. Then they've got very staunch views. When it's a nice French person, mm. then it's different. And if her if her brother was disabled, she would have absolutely no problem with him marrying a French wife. Yeah. It's fucking bullshit. Yeah. Um, right, anyway, where were we? Um, Eton. 
Uh, yeah, that was the other. Yeah, that was the other story today. Um, so we've just had GCSE results. Yeah, my um, kid got her GCSE your results. Your daughter did very well. She did very well. Yeah. She did. She's getting to go to the college that she wants to go to. Nice. Um, she starts on Friday, which is very quick. God. Oh yeah, I suppose it is. Yeah, start yeah. school year, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, but she did very well. She scored and she got. Um, she got 100% on in history, so she's you know doing better than you did. Doing better Fantastic. Than did. How um, many of the exam papers did she see beforehand? She saw none of them. Right. <laughs> she should have worked hard. You people, yeah. Yeah, you breeders, yes. should have worked harder and sent them to Eton. Because if you'd sent her to Eton or to Winchester College, yep. she would have seen some <laughs> of the exam papers in advance. Um, so three of the UK's top public schools have become embroiled in an exams cheating scandal following claims pupils were given advanced knowledge about upcoming papers. Lawrence Wolfe, head of art history at an independent boys' boarding college... Uh, boarding school, Winchester College, is said to have been suspended for reportedly giving pupils prior information on exam questions on two exam papers. Um, the results for the exam sat about by, by around 13 of the school students have been disregarded. Um, the discovery came after an investigation by the Cambridge International Exams Board, which is also said to be investigating Charterhouse School. Charterhouse, which charges up to £36,000 a year for boarding pupils, faces allegations pupils were able to share questions ahead of an upcoming exam. Um, the controversy at Winchester College was revealed after pupils from the school were found to be discussing the contents of the upcoming exam online. There's no suggestion that pupils or other members of staff at any of the schools are responsible for any wrongdoing. Um, this revelation comes days after reports that Mo Tanweer, Deputy Headmaster of Academics at Eton College, has left the prestigious private school following accusations he had circulated questions from an upcoming economics exam to other teachers. So really, you get what you pay for with your education in that you could literally buy your grades. I mean, as if you couldn't buy an education beforehand. Yeah, and it's, it's like it's, it makes it even worse. It's it's so weird because it's like okay, so you have wealthy parents mm. who are looking to to your education. You live in a Western country where you focus on a couple of children and push them as far as they can do. You are already a member of an elite class because you're sending your kid to private school, mm. and you feel that you need that extra. That extra hump of actually cheating, it doesn't. It doesn't really surprise me. Like it, it kind of was. Which is probably not even the parents. It's not the parents. They're not. They, I doubt the parents. Oh no, 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 no. But like the the pressure from the parents yeah. to actually achieve those grades yeah. is what's pushed the teachers because they have that expectation that you're getting what you pay for. Well, it's, yeah, it's that thing. It's like you don't spend. You have the expectation of a consumer rather than of a parent. I'm trying to think. Look, the average prices of these places. Oh, yeah, look, Winchester and Eton. Charging more than thirty thousand a year. Yeah, you don't you don't pay that much money to have your kid come out with a handful of bees. Yeah, you send them there to get the top marks. Well, I mean, you specifically send them there to hobnob with the other people who will be in the tops of whatever field yeah. that that person decides to go in. Probably, usually politics. Let's face it, or mm. some kind of civil service, the media, civil civil service role, or the media. Yeah, mm. something like power brokery. Mm. Um, but it. I was kind of thinking about it today, and it's like, no, actually, it's it's perfect because we have a, a neoliberal society where um, f- the free market is considered the the ultimate expression of people's wants, desires, and the best way to run a society to ensure supply and demand yeah. you vote between with your wallet between than. different things. You vote with your wallet. You have choice, but mm. you only have choice as far as your wallet will open. Mm. And yet, the actual history of neoliberalism comes up with the idea that. In order to get these free markets, you have to cheat. Yeah. Because every time you put a free market in something like, for instance, my partner is a forensic scientist, and they've tried to introduce the free market into the forensic science industry, hmm. taking it away from being a nationalised service and encouraging companies to set up. Now, it's got huge setup costs. You can only have, there's only about two, three, maybe four providers in the country, right? So what you have to do, you have to force the people who are actually paying the money to spread the money around. They can't concentrate it in one place. So they fixed it so Mm. that the market works, but the actual industry doesn't. Yeah. Because that's the most important thing, the market. And where this extends to education is the fact that you, if you're paying for that, uh, privilege of that sent if you're sending your child to private school mm. you have to get better results it's not good enough to say um you're getting a better education mm. and the results that you get at the end are not as good mm. you have to get better results so it's it's absolutely understandable and like 
it's a natural outcome of that kind of thing that eventually they would be pushed so hard in order to do it's this. That thing, <clears throat> I can't remember because my memory of specific Marx books are kind of vague, but there's the thing that you said about capitalism cannot abide any kind of boundary or limit and will mm. always find a way of getting around it. <laughs> and as kids just naturally do better because yeah. say like like my kid there's mm. plenty of there's not there's not I'm not in the majority mm. of parents who have the time to be that invested in their kids yeah, education sure. you're lucky enough that you're able to to stay at home with her and yeah, you know and do her homework her with her and help her with her homework and that kind of stuff yeah and the kids like lily are starting to well, they, they do. They get very similar grades to ones who go to Eton mm. or any of these other places. And that's not enough. They still need yeah. to beat that. They have to beat it because they have paid to beat it. Yeah, they pay. They have paid to not get the same marks as someone in a comprehensive or in a uh, an academy. Yeah, so like Lily, I think at the moment she kind of wants to do classics. Mm. Which, you know... As a staunch communist raising a kid who wants to do a classics degree, that makes... You me are cool. all in favour! Yeah, um... But say she goes to she goes to some red brick Russell Group University. Most of the people doing classics there would have their parents would have paid through the nose to get them there. Yeah, and the mere existence of Lily is would be an anathema to them. It would be upsetting to them. Yeah, and they don't want that kind of thing. They want to completely. That's probably part of the reason for the push for bullshit academies yeah. that teach people how to do welding because they don't want they don't want the smart working class mm. kid to then get to that point. Yeah, but um. I kind of don't feel bad for the teachers. I, they're trapped. Yeah. Like, I know a couple of teachers, and seeing Lily's teachers at school, the pressure on them is staggering. Well, that's, the, that's, that's another key um, social effect of neoliberalism. There's a really good book uh, called um, Never Let a Serious Crisis Go to Waste by Philip Murawski, where he kind of doesn't just detail the economics of neoliberalism, but kind of details like the sociology of it, Mm. like the political economy of it. Mm. And one of the things is that you get diamonds from putting things under intense pressure. They fetishise the intense pressure, for instance, and it it is, like the modern version of it is born out of like the hard-working, hard-partying Wall Street hedge fund manager. It's that you get the big rewards, but you are put under such pressure that it will crush your brain, your body, and your heart, which is why they all fucking retire at 40. Yeah. But they fetishise that kind of thing. That's like a... It's kind of a very, very extreme Protestant work ethic. Yeah. It's you, you, you... It's not just... The Protestant work ethic would have been more of a kind of buckle down and eventually you will be okay as long as you work hard enough. This mm. is like... No, you absolutely have to work at the limit of human endurance. You, mm. And you can see it in service industries and things like that as well. Yeah. The desire to squeeze that productivity out of each individual man hour of, of labour that's done. Yeah. Um, it partially solves the capitalist crisis of, of productivity and, and profit rate, but it yeah. also it, it it serves a social function. It's a mm. it's a disciplinary tool and a, a way of propelling people to do more than they're than they're asked to yeah. and more than they are actually physically capable of. Hence, you know, like I say, Japanese hedge fund managers dying at their desk yeah. after working for twenty six hours. Yeah, it's um, yeah, they. Like this year was particularly hard year for GCSEs as well because they had a whole new system. And they changed and it. It was really they? messed up because it was like go, going back and forth and all this stuff. And like, mm. like maths and English aren't in letters anymore; they're in numbers. And the numbers this year is like we are the way our te- the way the teachers at Lily School explained it was very bad. Mm. Um, on Friday, I was at a party with a friend of mine who is a teacher and he managed to explain it very easily and quickly. Yeah. Um, the numbers, it, make, it will make it easier. But also, they put a lot more pressure on maths being super important and they're pushing the STEM subject. Yeah. Bullshit. And, you know, STEM subjects, very useful. Coding, very useful. If you think that they're pushing for all of this for anything other than to lower the wages of engineers and coders, yeah. you're a fucking idiot. They're also doing it because British capitalists and British government figures and civil servants generally have felt they've got that kind of embarrassment factor because they look at all of the kind of nice uh, like Swedish education system. They kept they kept comparing it to the Finnish education system and the Chinese education system when okay. uh, Gove was in was education secretary. Mm. And it just felt like by the by the end he was saying, Well, the Finnish spreadsheet the Finnish educational spreadsheet they're getting these numbers, and the British are getting these numbers. So as long as our spreadsheet 
of educational attainment mm. looks like the finished one, mm. oh, that's that's a success. Yeah. Oh. Um, pushing the numbers stuff a lot more. And there, I think it was about a week or two before the great, the results came out. Yeah. That the college that Lily was wanting to go to mm. changed what they wanted from a 6.5 grade point average, which mm. is like a high B. Okay. Like a, an average of a high B. Yeah. To seven, mm. which is an A. Mm. And that's, that's a lot of sudden surprise that's a lot pressure. Of sudden on a pressure, kid. yeah. Um, they probably changed it because they were getting like because the results were they they were all getting the results a lot mm. earlier. So they probably saw that it was all doing right. Mm. But um, also on the day as well, that was the thing. Um, someone I know tweeted it. Um, Lily's school. She had to wait an hour, an extra hour to get her results. She goes to a girls' school and they're waiting for the press to turn up to take photos. <laughs> really, <Like the> budding <laughs> academics. She was living, and they did use that word budding. Burgeoning. Yeah. She said that they were um, another fertile words with B. <laughs> she said that a lot of, that they didn't get a lot of pictures because they were all so pissed off they were just turning their backs on the photographers. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a fucked up, horrible situation, and all it does, all of this stuff, proves to be is that capitalism needs to be pulled as far away from education as possible. Yeah, the idea of any kind of profit motive on like anyone's salary and funding. I haven't got kids, and I've got a few friends, obviously you and, and other people who've uh, got kids of school age, and they, like, explain to me what the school says. I, like, when I, I went to the nearest primary, and I lived in, we lived in one of the few areas that still had, like, selective grammar education, so yeah, we, we had... had that, we had that weird thing when we, when we got out of Medway, of, what do you mean there aren't a billion grammar schools? Yeah. Because we had a lot. Uh, we did, we had... There were quite a few for a we relatively had, small area. We had yeah. Rochester Maths, we had Chatham Grammar, we had Random Mark, mm-hmm. we had... I think there was some others. I think there was one in Strood. Was there? Yeah. But then there was Girls on No, 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 there wasn't one in Strood. There was Chatham Grammar School for Girls, who, Fort Pitt. Who wasn't, oh. 100 of Who, wasn't oh. a grammar school. But it did still use streaming. It was very proud of saying we don't select, but we still use streaming. <laughs> like, so, selection then. Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, so we had an a uh, we had an atypical education experience. Mm. But I look at education now and like what you would have to do to have a child of school age and what you would do with them yeah. to get to go to get them to go to school, mm. and it fucking terrifies me. I purposely like I know very very little about modern education because it just seems utterly baffling to me it's- and entirely dependent on where you live. Like yeah. entirely dependent. I am super excited about. When Lily's eighteen and goes mm. off to university, that me and Holly are probably going to move out of Walthamstow then, yeah. and we're going to. I've look, just got here. I know, but we're going to move to a place in the same way that a sex offender might move to a place. I want to move to a place that's as far from the school as possible because they're really cheap compared to because of all the sex offenders. Well, yeah, I <laughs> will be living in a block of flats full of sex offenders, <laughs> but it'll be a nice flat. <laughs> but um. Yeah, it's the off. nicest flat in Pedo Village. Yeah, I'm going to move to Pedo Village. <laughs> a new development brought to you by the Arcelor Corporation. <laughs> well, you can see it in Walthamstow, the difference in price yeah. between, like, well, the catchment area. You know how far away um, Lily's school is yeah. from here? We're not in the catchment area of, of her old school anymore. God. And she lives, see catchment areas and yeah, all that kind of stuff. She that. lives within a seven-minute walk of it. Yeah. And the catchment area is smaller now. It feel it feel it like with hospitals as well. It feels like one of those problems that they've just kind of they've changed it so that it's harder and mm. therefore it's not a problem anymore because mm. the pressure is put on again the consumer. Yeah, yeah. the pressure is put onto the consumer it's to to um, to solve their own problems. Mm. You know, set up free schools, solve your own problems. It's not up to us. Yeah, and it it's broken and it's also not what the fucking vaunted Finnish educational system does no. um, all of that like, shit that came out with so much Gove and that so and much of our education system as well is, is seems to be designed specifically to help house prices like so much of British society is it's a bit of house. a chicken and egg situation isn't it yes yeah. yeah well making it so you go to the school that you're closest to mm. of course people are going to move to the areas it with might, the good schools but yeah they were 
you know, they, they short-circuited the problem of not having enough schools mm. by just concentrating a load of super schools in particular areas and making you fight to get into them. Mm. So that you were so consumed with the fight, you didn't notice that actually the fucking education system's broken. Mm. Yeah, it's so that's up. the stuff going on with yeah. private schools. Yeah, so we were speaking about uh, Medway a moment ago. Yep, so now we're going to the final bit. We've got this week is our final segment. Is, okay, so Mogmentum, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah! Before we go into momentum, activate the Tory answer. To oh shit! Yeah, the Tory answer. I got so paranoid because I started reading on Twitter about um, activate, and I thought, didn't we do like a whole segment in another episode about the Lib Dems creating something called activate? Did we get it completely fucking wrong? No. Nope. Did we sound like massive idiots? And then I looked up, and it's like, oh no, we didn't. No, but they did. <laughs> <laughs> there was another. There was another. There's a conservative youth uh, movement. Yeah. Group. Which AstroTurf yeah. thing, yeah, set up to rival momentum called Activate, and, and the Lib Dems had one as well. And whereas one, the Lib Dems, the V was made of the bird, yeah, the Tory one was made of like the square root symbol. <laughs> active rate, yeah, active squate. But yeah, that lasted nice. like a week, and they got one meme out. <laughs> yeah. They got one meme out because the Tories. They didn't. They don't really know what momentum is. They couldn't quite work it out. They thought it was a selection of Facebook groups that make memes. Um, <laughs> so they made their one meme, which is. Hang on, I shall describe the meme to you because I saved it because it's <laughs> glorious. So it's all blue because of, of course, course it yeah. is, and it's got, got Jeremy to get that Corbyn. Branding down. It's got Jeremy Corbyn for the many, not the few, and then underneath you've got Admiral Akbar saying it's a trap. That's shit memory. That like is, that's like terrible memes, memory. Come on, all of you. You spend enough time. You know where the internet is. You know where Twitter is. Just fucking pick something. Yeah, it would have been better if it was like Jeremy Corbyn looking like that um, weird cyborg from that old game of all your all our inheritance have belonged to us. <laughs> that would have been better. <laughs> but yeah, so so activate are gone. <laughs> they lasted not long at all. But, they lasted literally a week, and from everybody being aware of them and posting their um, uh, their like uh, board of directors online, of which it's like, okay, so we've got to have a broad base, like momentum. We've got to be like momentum. We've got to have a broad base of ethnic and uh, gender um, diversity. We've got to represent everybody. So 13 white dudes and an Asian guy, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> oh, there was one white woman. Oh, okay. For yeah. um, Greater London, because, you know, it's more... London-y, so I mean, I don't know if you know, but London is over half women. Oh, is it? I like the rest of the country, <laughs> yeah. which is fertile. I like the rest of the country. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that activate failed miserably. They don't. They don't have the mental framework to encompass what momentum is. Like no, there are, cargo there are plenty of yeah, there are cargo cult. There, there's plenty of like. Um, Con, like criticisms of momentum you could make but to understand what it actually is like their model of politics is based on as the Tories have always had is dipping into this big mass of ultimately ignorant uneducated voters I mean Labour mm. right are guilty of that as well but um, they like the idea of all they need to do is mimic momentum exactly, hmm. and they'll get the same message, and they'll get the same thing across. Yeah. Like, they're signalling to the masses of how they conceive of Corbyn. So Because yeah. he's a joke. In in their world, yeah. in their hyperpolit, I'm very interested in politics, I'm really into politics yeah. world, he's a, he's a joke because he doesn't make those same kind of signals, he yeah. doesn't, like, move the right way. He goes left, they go right, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And... Their idea is that, well, okay, everybody agrees on the same policies, so it must just be the colour and the fact that we haven't got any good memes. Mm. It's <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Mm. It's yeah. terrible. Anyway. But yeah, so... On, but, back onto Mogmentum. Yeah, Mogmentum. Gillingham resident starts petition for Tory Jacob Rees-Mogg to run for party leader. Huh. So Gillingham, yeah. if you're not aware of Gillingham... Ah. The Medway Towns is a place made up of Strood's part of Medway Towns. Isn't yes, it, it is. So you've got Strood, which is a shithole. Yeah. It's a shithole um, just smeared on one side of the River Medway. Well, it's the old housing estate where everyone used to work at the docks. Yeah. One of them. You had Chatham on one, Chatham and Gillingham on one yeah, side got, and Strood on the other side of the you've river. You've got the River Medway and on one side of the river you've got Strood. And then across the river you've, where got, I'm pretty, from. you've got pretty historic Rochester, mm-hmm. which is very pretty. 
Then you've got Chatham mm. and Gillingham. And Chatham and Gillingham and Shrewd made up of a lot of estates where they, and all of them worked at the shipyards and the mm. docks. Um, there's a really nice wall down at Chatham Dockyards. I'm not sure if it's still there or if it's been gentrified out of there with all the rejuvenation. Where the wall had the bus stops like in brickwork yeah. for all the estates. Yes, I think that still goes down um, uh, down where uh, the barracks is. Yeah. Past where the barracks is, yeah. Um, and Gillingham, yeah, Gillingham's got big barracks and stuff mm. as well. Um, but Gillingham is, is, is really poor. Yeah. Like, it's real nasty. Like... When I left, when I was 19, mm. Gillingham was, pr- like, most of Gillingham, like, High Street was boarded up. Yeah. It's not, and you've got your sister. My sister still lives in Gillingham, and yeah. it's not a very nice place. No. But yeah, so for, to have someone come out of there and go, like, Jacob Rees-Mogg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk. More than 20,000 people have put their names to a petition started by a Gillingham man to get a Conservative MP to run for party leader. Okay, it's not surprising there's Conservatives in Gillingham. No. But this specific kind of conservative, rather than hand-knuckle tattoo conservative, is a bit weird. Sam Frost, 23, set up the Ready for Rees-Mogg Facebook page with his friend Anne Sutherland after the general election left him disappointed. (laughs) Oh, man. Overnight, the group attracted 2,000 likes, and £7,000 has since been raised towards the campaign to get Jacob Rees-Mogg to run for leadership. First off, he doesn't need that £7,000. No. He could pay for any particular costs from a leadership election himself. Yeah. He told the Medway Messenger, I floated the idea to a friend of mine after the general election. We were fed up with politicians who never answer questions and so started the page. We were just doing it for a bit of fun and it's really taken off. On this, there are five things about Jacob Rees-Mogg. Number one, he has recently named his sixth child Sixtus Dominic Boniface Christopher Rees-Mogg. His first tweet said, The times change and we change with them in Latin. <laughs> this is more facts about Reese Mog. His rise has given birth to a social media craze called Mogmania. It hasn't really. It hasn't. And is that a fact about the band? Well, it's, it's the same kind of stuff as um, Activate. It's a, it's a cargo yeah. cult based on the idea that if we just Same make exactly the same sounds and yeah. make exactly the same move, if we do the same dance that Corbyn does, um, the votes will come back. Hmm. He has supported Somerset County Cricket Club since he was a child. Mm. And a Facebook page was set up with the name Ready for Mog. <laughs> the MP for North East Somerset became an internet sensation after posting a picture of himself and his son outside a tattoo parlour next to a Labour poster with the, cam- with the caption, We shall have to take our business elsewhere. Now look, the first time I became aware of Jacob Rees-Mogg was that photo of him campaigning in Fife with his nanny and him <laughs> awkwardly stepping over a fence on a council estate in Scotland. Um... The post has 6,284 likes on Instagram and sparked hashtag momentum with pictures being posted on social media of some of Mr. Rees-Mogg's best quotes from Parliament. The petition calls for him to run for party leader has now gained 23,000 signatures. <laughs> Not many. <laughs> Mr. Rees-Mogg is said to have been reading the Financial Times at the age of 12 and attended shareholder meetings of the companies he had invested in. The thing is, he is directly the kind of person, Jacob Rees-Mogg, that killed the Medway Towns. Yeah. That literally murdered it. The type of Tory minister who decided to shut down the dockyards with no fail-safe in place yeah. to ensure the mass immiseration of people in ex-industrial areas. Yeah. That, the Medway Towns is a bad place. If you're looking for somewhere cheap to buy a house that's very quick to get into London, the Medway Towns is still surprisingly But here's cheap. the thing about Medway Towns... Medway itself is a kind of discrete area, mm. but outlying those areas, there's a lot of money. Yeah, no, but you could live in, you could get, I bet you could afford to buy a house in, um, a house on Luton Road. Yeah. And it'd be, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um Well, actually, no, I've looked. <laughs> <laughs> Sam is yet to hear from the man himself, but the former Gads Hill pupil. <laughs> yeah, of course. Gads Hill is a private school in Strood, although it says it's in Rochester. It's not in Strood, it's in Higham. It's one of the outlying villages. Yeah. Um, it's hope <laughs> the former Gatil pupil is hoping you'll put his name down for the running should the occasion arise he said we haven't heard from him yet but he wrote a piece in the Telegraph saying that he would not run and then outlined the policies he would have if he did we think like OJ Simpson <laughs> <laughs> we think he'd be a great leader he's able to give straight answers except for the like 
he's, give, he's able to give straight answers to straight questions. He doesn't take himself too seriously and he's a bit eccentric. He absolutely So he's talking does. about there, about how he's able to give straight answers to straight questions. Yeah, he wrote an article in saying that he wouldn't run, but this is how he would run. So he didn't... <laughs> he's posh, and while other MPs do their best to hide that, he is who he is and doesn't care. And he's also, he, he also has a bunch of serious care. policies. We're laying the groundwork for him to run for leader. He he cares so little that he named his children after a series of dead popes. <laughs> I'm just saying. Look at him. That's the man who's organised Mothman. That has yeah. that man is the face of a sensible centrist. Yeah, he, yeah. And it's look at his shirt. Look at his beard. Look at his little beard. There's something really weird. There's the thing is, I find it really weird, and it's the kind of person who grows up in the Medway towns and comes out that Tory, not just a little bit like, not even just not like coming out a bit Thatcherite like yeah. a lot of the people we grew up with probably did but to come out thinking of I love the aristocracy they're so great there's definitely like um, a middle class I mean it's a it's a I use this word so much but it's, it still applies it's a fetishization of normality and for certain people that normality insists insists upon having like a toff to lead over you it's like the inverse of the Jess Phillips um, like uh, yeah. poor face yeah. show yeah. It's as long as you can dress up like it and as long as you can stand out enough and as long as you don't say anything too outrageously harmful, they think of you as a saviour because their politics is lost. Their politics is gone. With Corbyn and with May and with Brexit, that normal thing, that reset button, that's broken and that's gone and it's never going away. So they're, they're seizing on kind of their old cultural politics hmm. to kind of rescue them and make them feel safe again and well, the thing, it's not a time for safety I'm afraid it's just that thing though that oh, it's because it's a medway thing like I suppose standard that life the stand like the people on well like on the estate that I grew up hmm. and where you grew up yeah we're like it's a very common story of a friend's dad who hasn't had stable work since the 80s unless it's been kind of dodgy yeah has a problem with drinking is undiagnosed depressed yeah and is yeah and it's just it's the come out of that kind of environment but then the thing that was like oh of course he went to a fucking public school of course he's one of those ones but also there is a common thread of um the medway towns is maybe unique in the fact that i think it being not being in the north Hmm. makes a difference and even not being um out as far as like Southampton or Portsmouth or other kind of depressed dock areas Hmm. because it's not quite a seaside town it is close to the to the mouth of the river of the river Thames and sweet muddy tidal river yeah you know what I mean yeah um it's got depressed industrial areas but it's also close to London and it's in the southeast Hmm. so they've got that common kind of papering over with the the Union Jack. They've got that very strong level of like cultural conservatism that runs right through it and probably has a little bit to do with why people tend can tend... This is a gross over-exaggeration, hmm. but they can be um, uh, more easily swayed by those kind of appeals to like um, British patriotism or Brit- British nationalism, yeah. you know, the support your troop stuff, the band-aids that they yeah. throw over all also, this economic inequality. Like, there's the big barracks in Gillingham and Maidstone as well. There was a lot. Of, I remember a lot. Of it's squaddies. a historic, but and as well, it's a historical area as well. So yeah. you've got that bound up with it. You've got all of those, all of that narrative, all of those changed stories that rob people of their kind of an accurate kind of history of people changing things. Yeah, and you've got a history where everything has always been the same and we've always been British and we've always mm. been at this exact spot. Do you know what I mean? It's That's it's so a classic. definite there's a definite abuse of of history and a definite it's it's definitely primed for that kind of thing. So glad I don't live there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like Reese and Reese Mogg is like I say the the, the inverse of of Jess Phillips. She's he's got he's got the authenticrat thing. Yeah. That he said it himself. He's a real person. Not like all those fake people, mm. like those people who live in Walthamstow in North London or East London. Those fake people who pretend they like he actually likes his hardcore revanchist Catholicism <laughs> he actually likes his winds are not done up to right to the top of his barely visible Adam's apple he, he also he did that thing as well of, um, Jacob Rees-Mogg was boasting about having not cried since he was a child yeah 
because he doesn't feel emotions like some kind of weakling. (laughs) Yeah, they just want a nice, calm, sensible, white aristocrat to rule them as the psychopaths of yore. (laughs) They want that. They actively want that. Places like the North, they need their Jess Phillips to return Mm. to normalcy. Places in the South with a different kind of tilt, they need their Jacob Rees-Moggs, their... Um, you know, they're, uh, what's his name? Philip, uh, misogynist Tory MP. <laughs> to no. narrow down Hammond? No, the very, very misogynist. Redwood? No, 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 the very misogynist one. The one who said, why isn't there an International Men's Day? <laughs> Again, which one? Yeah, there was one in particular. <laughs> okay, yeah. I can't remember his name because my memory is terrible. But they yeah. need that. Yeah, yeah. okay, so do yeah, no other, no, not going to end on a happy note this week because my internet's been out, so I haven't watched any TV apart from normal TV, and that's why I watched a bit of Bake Off today. <laughs> How is it? I saw bunting and is I it? saw red, and then I passed out. Is it? I mean, I don't even like. Cakes? I, don't, I don't know what more people want. You've you got it? your cakes, you've got your bunting. <laughs> what more do you want, you animals? You disgust me! Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so maybe I'll watch TV next week. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Yep. So that's us for this week. Uh, it was episode 27 of We Don't Talk About the Weather. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at WDTATW underscore podcast. You can follow me at BM Bergamo. You can follow Hugh at Tanner Smashing. And yeah, we're done for this week. Okay. Cheers. Bye. about the fighting game when Mr. Hoover said to cut my dinner down